Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Back in the saddle again. We're back in the saddle again. Okay, Gene Autry, what's that all about? Well, after our normal break, Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan are back on the air with 10 months of terrible commercials. Ever think of hiring a copywriter? Pat's pretty good. Hey, we're selling cars, not carpets. Anyways, too expensive. Check out our new press release. This just in, Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan have started out 2022 as the number one and number two dealers in the state of Minnesota. Jason Leckler has been quoted as saying, this is the year I bump off Dan Resch. He studied animal husbandry for crying out loud. Dan replied with, blow it, J-Lo. What do you think? Mm, maybe you should hire a copywriter. Cool that they're leading the sales race, though. That's good. Yeah, it's actually more than good. Because they were so dominant last year, we've earned more than our fair share of new Nissans. We have 40 Altimas available for March and 120 Rogues. Check out the huge selection of Nissans at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey folks, Brian Zepp here. Spring is gearing up, and if you're like me, you've already got the itch to hit the road. Make sure you and your motorcycle are ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, metric cruiser, or sport bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m. and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Take it from Zep. They ship today. Have you ever seen a swamp stairs? Well, look at mine. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I was just kind of glancing at the news just in case some big story is breaking. I'm not going to cover a lot of news today, but I just took a gander to see if anything big was breaking. Basically, all it is that a lot of big businessmen are under investigation. Uh, Biden's son is under investigation. Now so is Biden because he lied. He said he never met with his partners when he actually had dinner with them. Donald Trump is under investigation. Is there anybody who's not under investigation? I don't think I am. There's one person who's not under investigation. Don Shelby. But he should be. He should be, yes. He should be under investigation, I don't think. For the crimes against nature, crimes against manhood. What Hello, do you think? Don. Hello, how are you? 
What do you want? Happy to... 2000. Thank you. Thank you very much. Where are you? I'm in my office. You don't have an office. Why would you have an office? <laughs> what a complete waste of revenue. That's all I have to say. Don, i got to ask you a question. It's very, very nice of you to be here in any case. You're obviously a very, very big part of this show, no doubt about that. But I want to ask you a question. Sure. Because I really feel bad because I, I uh, over the years, I've, you know, working for Hubbard and, you know, Ron Majors was there and then got to sure. be friends with Paul Majors, watch him. You and I got to be very good friends. I watched you and Mark Rosen, of course, on Channel 4, Frank Vassalero. Is local news going to just disappear? Because streaming services, they have it, but is it? I've been told that nobody's watching the news anymore. That's terrible. People are not watching the news, Tom, at the time that uh, it is on the air. Uh, so what is probably going to go away is the uh, noon and the four and the five and the six and the ten. Mm. Those are going to go away. Appointment television is going to go away. Yep. Everywhere. yep. Uh, nobody is watching. No one has the time to watch. No one has the uh, inclination to watch anything when they have to be there, when they have to yeah. tune in at a certain time, because uh, we have these devices where we can get this information at any time we want to, and uh, that's when we want to. So that's why the uh, things like CNN and Fox and MSNBC have been so valuable for news viewers, is that any time during the day they have uh, a 30 minutes or so, they can sit down and get what's happening right, today. Right. And so waiting for the local news is uh, to be someplace in front of a television set at a certain time. So unless they step up their uh, the frequency of their broadcast in terms of allowing social media to take, to take over, the Internet to take over, mm -hmm. so that these shows are available at any time that people choose to watch, which they've done a, a fairly good job of. They're, even though they're in the, quote, media, uh, they're not as skilled uh, at trying to find audiences as letting audiences find them. So they need to learn that trick yep. but the other side of the coin is this uh, among uh, if you look at the research surveys on uh, journalism the, about 70 percent distrust of the of americans distrust journalists and distrust journalism but when asked specifically and it's very much like uh politics they like their own congressman but they hate congress <laughs> they, exactly. they they like they like their people whether they're watching any of the channels that are available to them they feel a relationship to them particularly with the weather people they feel a closeness with them and so they'll be very critical of journalism uh, and the way it's practiced in america i among them and they will uh, say, though, however, we really like Amelia. We, yeah, yeah. We really trust her. Uh, but we don't trust anybody else. But we really trust Frank or we really trust uh, any of the other people who are currently on the air at other stations. But here's the problem for a guy like me. Um, it, 
for me, all started, of course, with Dave Moore. There's no question about that. One of the greats yeah. of all time. Uh, I loved Dave Moore. And, and later in life, by the way, I, I, I think you know this story, but it's a situation where I did get to know Dave and, uh, and because of voiceover, not because of radio or television. Right, because right, right. I met him because of voiceover and all the rest of it. And then when he retired, I was sitting with him over at Cookhouse. Uh, he was sitting in the lobby, both waiting to go to work. There's a man I've been watching since I was a little boy, right? Yeah, yeah. And I said, Dave, i got to tell you something. You are the best newsman, and I'm talking national, local, whatever. doesn't matter to me. You're the best newsman I've ever seen, and everybody I judge based on you. And he said to me, you know how much that means to me coming from a man of your stature? And it yeah. made me, like, tear up. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? You're Dave Moore, pal. Yeah. You know, but that's the kind of guy he was. It's the kind of guy you are. Um, you know, the, the Majors brothers. Uh, does this town realize the talent that they've had come through here? Unlike any other city in America, maybe Chicago is shoulder to shoulder, but Minneapolis-St. Paul has had the best news anchors, men and women, weather people, sports people, that I've seen in any moment. When I moved to New York, Don, I went, these people suck compared <laughs> to the people we got, <laughs> right? Yes. They're terrible yeah. compared to yeah. you guys. So I'm glad to hear that maybe that somehow we'll figure out that, uh, that you know when I can, I can sit down and I can watch the news when I want to watch the news because you know I I did used to record it but not because of streaming you don't record anything anymore either I mean right. I suppose you right. could I guess yeah. but but I need to see my Don Shelby's and my Pat Miles and my Dave Moore's and uh, you know the, the Frank and Amelia obviously and you go down the list of people Chris Eggert's a very good friend of mine I love that guy. Right. So right. hopefully they'll get it all figured out because I do need to know what's going on locally because uh, it's just not like it used to be. It's too bad. As soon as they can figure out the streaming service uh, end of it uh, so that the news is available when people need it, otherwise they're going to lose an entire generation yeah, of people. Because primarily, uh, you know, the blue hairs that were the uh, fans of WCCO in the old days before they started to – uh, expand their base a little bit the uh they're not so inclined i mean they're more inclined to sit in front of the television set at six o'clock and at ten o'clock but uh younger people have they don't want anything of that they just yeah uh, if, if i want news i want when i want news i will get news i won't wait until these times so if you don't adapt to that, you're going to really lose a large section of the audience. And as you know, mm -hmm. the advertisers are most concerned with the younger audience. So they, they love the 18 to 38. And if you have a big chunk of that audience, mm -hmm. so the first, the first people who figure it out locally uh, are going to be the overall winners, both financially and in terms of ratings. And then the more ratings you get, the better service you provide. Yeah. Yep. Because you get more money uh, from the advertising dollars, so you're going to hire more reporters, and you're going to be at more locations, and you're going to expand investigations, which, uh, because of the tightness of the market, that has gone away uh, primarily. And you're going to maybe travel overseas, which uh, I did. I mean, I probably spent... $10 million of the station's money and just uh, travel and, and investigations. And that money is just not there anymore because there were only three stations to speak of uh, yeah. that really competed for 90% of the advertising revenue. And 
now there are what 450 stations basically that right. is the choice of anyone that they right. can go to and so but that money that came into the pot stayed the same tom and so now you're getting it divided instead of three ways you're getting it divided 400 ways <laughs> and so that money that money's just not there so you wouldn't take those odds to vegas the only problem I have with that 18 to 38 demo is there's not a whole lot of money there. There might be a lot not of anymore. People. There aren't. Not, there's no money anymore. There. So I don't know if you're turning away everybody over the age of 40 and counting on people under the age of 38, you're not going to make any money because there's no money there. Right. And and less money, as the demographers will show you, yeah. that uh, this is probably the first generation in centuries where they don't even have a hope to make as much money as their parents made. Right. It was always the the idea that a younger generation was going to do better than their parents did, but it's just not happening and because and there are fewer of them coming up. So they're not making as large a chunk or percentage of the market. But the, you know the idea that the advertisers had is that if you could hook these young people, really didn't matter that they were young. Right. What mattered is you could imprint Ipana toothpaste on these people, and they would buy it when they were young, and they would buy it when they were old. They would stay with them yep. through the entire thing. If you bought a, a Ford F-150, that was the truck you were going to have the rest of your life. That has also changed. There is no doubt about it. Well, I, I really appreciate your take on it because it does make me very, very sad because that was a big thing for me and when, when I was a kid, when I was a young man. And I was very lucky, you know, talking about that make, making uh, as much money or more money than your parents. I was lucky that my dad never worked, so by the time I was like 12, I made more money than he did. So that worked out really well for me. Hey, Ma, look at me. I made more money than Dad ever made. When my, when my father died, I went uh, – I was – one of the three kids who was tasked the responsibility of going through paperwork and uh, in his last year of working and he, and he was a member of the country club but the i later learned that he didn't pay for that his company paid for that mm -hmm, right well, I, but everybody considered him kind of a a well-to-do guy but tom uh his last uh filing uh, his top earnings uh, was $20,400 a year. Oh, God, yeah. <clears throat> that was a lot of dough, too. That was a lot of my make. And, I, and he had, you know, two, uh, two cars every every yep. three years. He had brand new cars, and, and uh, we didn't have a swimming pool or anything, but uh, we had a nice house that we lived in, and he always paid his taxes, and uh, which were strange then, because back then uh, the taxes were—he was in the ninety percent right tax, tax bracket. Yep. <laughs> so he had to figure out every conceivable way of not avoiding taxes, but trying to figure out all of the different rules that had been put in place in the tax code that said if that can't be taxable income if you're donating to a church or if you're right, donating right. over the Red Cross. Or so he had to get rid. <laughs> Most of his money, and that wasn't a lot of money to get rid of. And so, when uh, I got a raise, I wanted to. Oh, I want to call uh, Dad and, and tell him, you know, I've got this. Then I went, No, I'm not no, going to. No, because he's going to ask me how much I'm going, I'm, I'm making, and I can't hurt him that way. I can't tell him how much money I'm making. No, I understand that 100%. I just got a text message from a listener, a longtime listener to the podcast, and they want to know, you've been on the air for 12 and a half minutes and you have not used your favorite podcast word yet. What's the problem? No, I haven't, because I didn't know if it were 
uh, uh, legal to do that. So well, we do have a listener request for it. So oh, <laughs> uh, well then you can go tell that listener to go fuck himself. <laughs> People <laughs> loved that so much when you came on and wouldn't stop dropping the f bomb. It was phenomenal. It was True. the greatest. It was a fan favorite. A fan favorite. Don <laughs> Shelby saying the F-bomb. It was great. Don, it's Doug Sprinthal. And you hey, probably don't remember, but I had a, a guy that uh, worked for the company that was a huge fan of the podcast, huge fan of you. His name was Jack Robinson. And for his birthday, uh, you, I said, just say, I, fuck you, Jack. That's his, that's his ringtone. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> It's his ringtone. It's like, hey, Big Jack, go fuck yourself. So that's what happens when the phone goes off. This is awesome. I do remember that. I just talked to Betsy Hodges. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yesterday. Um, there were, she's, she's moved, and she's got some new stuff, and, and she's out in D.C. And, that's what I heard, yeah. And, and so... Um, and and we talked about that very thing because you remember when she came on your show. Oh yeah. Uh, and and she was treated very nicely, but uh, the f bomb was just flying. <laughs> and you you know, think, wait a minute, the mayor of Minneapolis, and just saying, go fuck yourself. So <laughs> whatever works, you know, and, and well, a lot of people told her to do that anyway, and they've told me to do that. So hey, we'll get used to it after a while. It works out in the end. You know, it's so amazing about that, Don. We, Don and I have talked politics for quite some time because I'm not a Democrat nor a Republican. I just kind of hang around the middle somewhere. But uh, is Don still with us or is that? I think it just lost connection for yeah. a second. Oh, it did for a second. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just lost okay. it. Am I still here? You yeah. are. All good. Can you hear us? Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure you could. But, yeah. uh, you know, all the the Democrats that I've endorsed on the KQ Morning Show on the podcast over the years, not one of them ever called one and then called back and said, hey, thanks for the endorsement. Not one of them. What is that all about? Oh... You know, it might be good. Instead of being a, in a generalization to a party, it just may be the people. Uh, I'm not fond of politicians. Mm, I understand. <laughs> uh, uh, I've spent a lot, a lot of years as an investigative reporter, and uh, I ended up somewhere uh, sometime investigating somebody. And that's why I had a particular rule to never be a friend of a politician yeah. until they retired. Uh, I would never associate with them. I'd never, uh, of course, we were not allowed to make any contributions or endorse any candidates right. uh, because who knew you may have to, you know, go out and Matt Gates them later on. Uh, and if you like them a lot, you might go easy on them. So you had to be very careful about that. But uh, I'm sorry that that happens to you. What I think is just bad manners, basically. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. I don't think there's and, any question. And, and it's also this. Uh, when when they were trying to rile me up to run for Congress yeah. uh, years ago, when I was still with you, the um, I got a call from a member of Congress, and the name's not important, but a member of Congress said, don't run. Um, they're from – they were within – um, this delegation and don't run because you're not suited for it. And I kind of put that as an insult. Absolutely. Uh, because I thought, well, I'm not suited to be what? Diplomatic? I'm not uh, suited to legislate? I'm not suited to come up with it. And he said, no, 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 that's not the point. Uh, I'm a congressperson and I 
uh, spend one year legislating and I spend one year spending 40 hours a week on the phone begging people for money. Yeah, yep. That's the whole job. And he said, I know you too well. I know that's nothing that you could ever bring yourself to do. I could see that. Yeah, absolutely. And and so I, and and that was it. Boom. I just, and I called the D triple C and said, nope, not me. Find somebody else. I'm not going they, they asked me, and I told everybody to get out of the state. Get out! <laughs> It'd be wonderful. Andy, you have a piece of audio for it? I do. We'd I love something to hear. that Don recorded uh, before the show. Oh. All right, I'll play it now. <laughs> Next week for me will be 33 years. Really? Back up two weeks to about this mm, March 28th, okay. uh, 1980. And I went on the air drunk. And um, seriously drunk, about a quart of Jack Daniels black label. <laughs> that was your hoochie choice. <laughs> yeah. And so I, uh, I was uh, completely sloshed. Nobody, I had never talked to any of the producers. Uh, I hit out, and then I went on the air drunk, and they, they had no idea until they, they saw me. And um, we got oh, 5,000 messages on the, of the they had to bring in somebody else to take phone calls it was just you know, one after the other get that drunk off the air he's oh, you know, humiliating he's embarrassing but there was one guy who i've never met i would love to meet to this day <laughs> because in 1980 the iranian hostage crisis was at oh, its peak yeah. <clears throat> and that was the lead story it was where nightline came from and this message said <laughs> and i kept that page It said, I appreciate Mr. Shelby explaining the Iranian hostage crisis in the Ayatollah's own tongue. (laughs) (laughs) I wait until I was 64. That is phenomenal. (laughs) That's fantastic. If that guy guy is listening today, I want him to call into your show. It would be Stan Turner. Yeah, it was probably probably Stan. (laughs) (laughs) Honey. That's a possibility. Uh, you know, I got to mention it because we only got a couple of minutes left, and it's so nice of you to come on here. But I got to mention, at the very beginning of my my career at KQRS, we're a couple of years in, and after about six months, it, it it broke through, and then it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And when I would get just beside myself, like, what the hell am I going to do next? I would go sit on the roof of Channel 4 with Don Shelby, and he'd go, Tom, don't take it that way. Don't worry about it. You were so – I will never, ever forget what you did for me back in those days because I don't know who else I would have talked to about it. I said, Don, you've had phenomenal success. How do you do this? So I learned a lot from you, pal. Well, it was always my pleasure, and your friendship has been a treasure to me. And I think about you all the time, and I, I can't – express how pleased I am that uh, this has continued for you, that you have been recognized the way you've been recognized. And uh, what I appreciated uh, beyond the fact that you have been so successful is is that you have included me uh, in in your life. You've said, when I need to, when I need to hear something, when I need to hear the truth, I'm going to lean on him. I'm going to ask him What's your take on what's been happening around me? And uh, and you've allowed me, which I think is shows great courage, to speak to you factually, to say, here's what you have to consider. Yep. Here's uh, what 
happened and this is the way you i would handle it if it happened to me and i have that's a side of you that i think people don't see i think people uh, think you're uh, sometimes uh, brash and overconfident I, you're a thoughtful person uh, who takes things seriously who takes wounds seriously and you dress those wounds in the smartest way possible and that is to go to people who love you and uh, let them help well, there were a few of you at, at, at CCO. I just missed Mark Rosen the other day at Profile, went over there and had a meeting and ran into uh, Paul Lambert, Meat Sauce. People know him as a, a K-fan. And, of course, uh, Rosie was coming in a half an hour later, but I had a 3.30 meeting. It was going to be there. I was, couldn't wait to see him, but last time I saw Mark E was at uh, Frank Vassalero's mother's memorial. Right. And, and he asked yeah. me to go in the other room. He said, "Will you come in the other room. i got to talk to you for a second. I went in the other room, and he said, I really miss you, gave me a hug, and started crying. I will yeah. never forget it, ever, as yeah. long as I live. You guys yeah. are amazing to me, because Channel 4, my God. Look, I worked at Hubbard, and they had a great, like I said, they did a nice thing. Tom Ryther, and, you know, we had Ron Majors on there, and, of course, you know, Barry Zavan and all those people. So they were wonderful to work with. But then when I finally started going to the CCO newsroom, you people, you and Pat Miles and Mark Rosen, you go down the list, you, you were Terrific to me, and when I just didn't know what the hell to do next, I asked Don, and he goes, give up. No, that's not what you said. It was something like that. <laughs> it was something along those lines. But I will never, ever, ever uh, be able to tell people uh, how much I cherish our friendship, and, and I need to have dinner with you one night, so you got to stick around town for a while. Absolutely, Will, and you brought the conversation full circle. Uh, and this will only take uh, 30 seconds because I know Andy's looking at the clock. But uh, <laughs> uh, you started off with Dave Moore. Yep. It also it also ends with Dave Moore. Yep. Because Dave set the standard. He was the big dude. He was the giant, not only in this community, but he was, he was a giant, as you mentioned, around the world. But he was the first person to get up when a new kid came in with wet behind the ears that just came from Fargo or Rochester or someplace, he would get up out of his chair and walk over and and introduce himself. Like he had to introduce himself. He would walk over shake the, the young man or woman's hand and say, my name is Dave Moore. I work here and I'm over at that desk and if you ever have a problem uh, come to me. And uh, that kind of humility and the humility that he displayed saying that uh, a man of your stature, hearing this compliment yep. from a man of your stature, well, that that went down. And when I showed up in the newsroom, I'm this cocky, skinny, tall basketball player dude who, uh, and who was always right <laughs> and always had an opinion about some kind of shit. And then uh, – and after about six months, I realized that's not, that's not the way that it's done here. Nope. That's not, that, that doesn't work in Dave's house. And so I became more like Dave, and Rosie became more like Dave, and Pat became more like Dave. Yep. And, so, and he never told us to do any of those things. We just saw that kindness, friendliness, cheerfulness was the best way forward. And so... Uh, as you have recognized and uh, said that, that Dave was the man, he is still the man to me in my heart. No doubt about it. I'll be reaching out soon, pal. Well, like I said, I got to say, I haven't seen you in, a, in quite a while during the whole COVID, about a couple of yeah, years, I, actually, because of COVID. Yeah. 
and it has been bad. We'll tee it up. I will give you a go. Don, thank you so much for being part of this whole deal. A 2000s episode, just a couple of months away from nine years of it, and it's wonderful to start the show off with you. Thank you, sir. My heart's with you, bud. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay. Bye. See you. Bye-bye. Legendary Don Shelby, one of the greatest news anchors of all time. There's no doubt about that. We will be right back after this break. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan's Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan's Southside Marine. Six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington. Visit bloomingtonboatshow.com. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like suburban manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy, and that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. I like the way Don Shelby put that. You know, a lot of people think you're overconfident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he goes with overconfident, which works for me. We are back. Andy, you got a little audio to play for us, do you? I sure do. I'm fresh off the turnip truck in Los Angeles. <laughs> Uh, it's 1984. I know Jerry Seinfeld a little bit from the road. I go to the improv uh, uh, just to hang with Jerry. Jerry's introducing me to some other comics. Rodney Dangerfield walks in at the height of his popularity. And, and guys like that could just walk in and do a guest set, however long they wanted. Rodney's were always on the shorter side anyway. But he goes in to do his guest set. And on the way in, he's big hug for Jerry because they know each other from New York. And I go, boy, it'd be great to meet Rodney. And he says, you want to meet Rodney? Sure. On the way out, I'll just introduce you to Rodney. So I go, oh, this is great. So we wait like 15 <laughs> minutes. Rodney's walking out. Jerry goes, hey, Rodney, wait a second. Uh, he's, Rodney's about to get into his limo. We're out on the street. He goes, hey, what do you need, Jerry? And uh, Jerry goes, hey, I want you to meet a, a friend of mine, a young comic, uh, very funny, uh, Jeff Cesario. Jeff, Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney goes, Cesario, huh? 
Italian, huh? Stick to the tumbling. <laughs> gets right in the limo and takes off. One of the greatest stories of all time, ladies and gentlemen. There's only one way to introduce this man. Uh, Cesario, huh? Italian, huh? Stick to the tumbling. I love that story. I can't. I, I will never get sick of that story, Mr. Cesario. Hey, man, how are you? Magnificent. Are you leaving? Are you... Oh, or to, oh, somebody's just taking a dog out for a walk, and it's raining. That's it, usually what happens when I'm introduced. A few people leave immediately. <laughs> yeah, Cesario's on, huh? I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go walk the dog. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, time to let the dog take a poop. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll tell you what. We kicked off the the, uh, the show today with Don Shelby. was just on for segment. The second segment, Jeff Cesario's on. Here's another guy. Over the years, God, some of the memories out playing golf, hanging out, having a wonderful time. One of my favorite Jeff Cesario stories is, I don't know if you were married at the time. I think you were, but you may have still been dating. And as a joke, I picked up Jeff and his wife, or wife-to-be, in the most garish limousine that I could find. (laughs) And she thought I was serious. The kind of limo where high school kids go, oh, that's too much. <laughs> Don't get that one. I was okay with the pink, but the gold the gold door handles are too much. It's too I was much. Say, if it didn't have uh, gold spinners or something, then it's... Oh, yeah. It, it can't be too much. Flashing yellow and red and green <laughs> lights and, oh, God, it was, oh, it was yeah. the most garish, well, hideous let, thing. Let me just say this before I forget. Okay. Here's why you're one of the absolute greats of not just broadcasting, but voiceover. You got through that boat inventory commercial without laughing when you said, check out the amazing pontoons. That's why you're the greatest. Right there, the Dan amazing Chester. pontoons. They're amazing pontoons. <laughs> you didn't laugh. That's I am, impressive. I'm amazed by pontoons, mister. I want you to know that was very sincere. <laughs> I'm amazed by pontoons. Plus the fact, Dan Chesky, who owns Dan Southside Marine, looks like my youngest brother, so I can't be mean to him. He, he does. Everybody thinks he's my brother. It's hilarious. That's so great. Well, great I would guy. imagine that happens a lot to some extent up there because you have a look. You have an upper Midwest look. Yeah, that's Maybe true. It just come, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it comes on you at some point. It's just inevitable after taking the weight of so many winters. <laughs> It just that look sinks into people's faces, and then they go, "Oh, I, I, that's one of my relatives over there. I know him." <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I do have to thank you, you and quote unquote your people. Because whether they like it or not, because I grew up a nice Catholic boy over North Minneapolis, <laughs> the only people I could take shots at, uh, and the cancel culture doesn't get too worried about it, is Italians. They let me just say yeah. whatever I want about Italians. Oh, they don't you can care. You say anything you want about Italians. No one's going to get <laughs> mad. It's kind of weird, actually. Yeah, it's, well, it's because that's their chosen method of communication. Right. On a true. regular that, basis. Right. Insult. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're constantly busting chops. I mean, I remember I used to do a bit on uh, two Italian guys could carry on an entire conversation. All of it questions. Nice steady day, isn't it? Well, you talking to me? What's the matter with you today? What's that in your craw? I mean, it'll go for for 20 questions before somebody has a declarative statement. And that the statement is usually, I don't want to have an argument. 
That's the statement at the end of right. the 30 question. Exactly. One of my favorites of all time and why I am so fond of that humor anyway. Uh, Johnny Carson one night, he keeps having these people just show up. You know, uh, they, they just walk through the curtain and all of a sudden there's, there's Dean Martin. And then 10 yeah. minutes later, there's Frank Sinatra. And then 10 minutes after that, here comes Don Rickles, and I will never forget this. And, and Don inspired me in many, many different ways. But this one particularly, sure. Don Rickles comes out on a Tonight Show, which at the time had about 12 to 14 million viewers, a little higher than they get today, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, because there are only three <laughs> channels. But uh, right. Don Rickles comes out, and he looks, and he goes, oh, look, Frank Sinatra. Huh, let's do it. Dean Martin. Let me make you guys feel at home. Arabadundi <laughs> He makes up some fake Italian words. <laughs> I just loved That's it. That's so great. It that was just wonderful. So, so 2,000. Holy shit. 2,000 episodes, mm-hmm. nine years. You've been on many, many of them. God, I haven't seen... I'm getting sick of COVID, just the fact that I, I... We just talked to Don Shelby. I haven't seen him in a couple of years. I haven't seen you in yeah. a couple of years. This is getting old, man. I need to see you guys. Yeah, well, I'm coming into town October, so I'll pop on. Oh, if God, you're still you still doing it. Unless this is your last episode. You're just saying the hell with it. Yeah, you could just Closing burn. up shop. Oh, no. <laughs> Cesario ruined it. it was ter- Let's just give it up. It'll be wonderful. Where, where are you going to be in October? Are you just coming to town to visit, or are you going to be working? Uh, going to the Laugh Factory. I mean, I'm sorry, the, uh, oh, that's my L.A. club. Uh, Acme, downtown. Oh, that's mm-hmm. wonderful. That's where I did my album with Acme. Great, yep. yeah, I know. Yeah, I do know that that to be a fact. Of course, so I be... did my album in September of nineteen, and oh. uh, wisely, the oh. album company decided to release it in September of twenty. Oh so I no! Could, I, I couldn't exactly back it up with a tour. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. What am I? Seventy-nine years old. I finally get an album. They drop it in the middle of COVID. <laughs> that's very. That's terrible. <laughs> Honest to God, you know. So I'm going to do my uh, album tour now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good idea. You know, I got. Could you tell people? You know, I don't think a lot of people know the great shows that you you either directed or you wrote on. Or I mean, man, you were on some behind the scenes on some of the greatest shows in the history of television. I mean, oh, thanks. Well, the first was Dennis Miller Live. Yep. Uh, and uh, we got we picked up two Emmys for that. And I had never worked behind the camera, and now, 30 years later, uh, I, I recognize that probably every two hours, HBO was on the phone to Dennis and his manager at the time, the late, great Brad Gray, saying, hey, the kid's nice, could we get somebody with some experience in here? But then, then we, won, we won an Emmy, like, for a second episode, so like that, I became the comedy whisperer. They wanted me to work on every... <laughs> they wanted me to work on like Chris Rock. They wanted me to work on Shanley. They wanted me to work on everything. So I did that. Then I went from Dennis Miller Live to the uh, to uh, to uh, the Larry Sanders Show, oh, which was great just, show. You know, crazy. That was like narrative camp for me. I just drove to the studio every day and learned how to write a script. It was unbelievable. Gary was amazing. And then from there, I did. Jeez, uh, I did the Oscars with Billy Crystal. I did uh, a ton of Emmys with Gary and. Uh, and uh, Grammy Awards, and then I did, uh, I did uh, later in my career, I worked on uh, Brand X with Russell Brand, who's yep. just a brilliant comic. Then I did uh, Queen Latifah's daytime show, which was a blast. She is a riot. If you ever get a chance to get her on, get her on. She is a musician, so she's got that sense of humor. 
she'll go blue on you in a heartbeat. She's she's hilarious. I had a great time on that, and just recently worked on Brian Regan's uh, Netflix thing. So, yeah, I've had a had an unbelievable run. Can you swear on your yes podcast? You can. Okay. Yep. Um. So uh, it's been essentially bookended. I'll still work on some stuff. I'm sure I'm, I'm writing some screenplays and things like that. But essentially, I started my TV career with Dennis Miller, where. Um, uh, you know, we would literally have conversations in the writer's room. Like, uh, all right, Jeff Rush, should this be a motherfucker or a cocksucker? <laughs> and then I end it with Brian Regan, the nicest guy on the planet, who says, I don't think I can say fart. Could I say pass gas? Yeah, he doesn't so, swear. That's, that's absolutely no, true. No, he really does he not. Should, he does on Loudermilk. Oh, yeah, really? on Loudermilk yeah. he does. Yeah, that's true. On Loudermilk yeah, he does. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Boy, he's, he is so much fun. Such a great guy, too. That's what I hear. I hear. Uh, Very talented. We're hoping to bring back that sketch show. But, yeah, so I have run the gamut, man. I have had an absolute blast writing for myself and writing for others. And, and one of the keys for me for writing for others is I know what it feels like to be out on that spot in front of that camera. Yeah. And think to myself... I don't have the safety net I need. So my goal was always give my performer everything he needs and uh, and then let him shoot for the stars. Let him go off. Let him, let him improvise. Because that way they know if, if it's not going well, they got a nice safety net under them. So I think performers like to work with me for that reason. So I had a great time. Just a blast on every one of those. One of the greatest things I've ever seen live, we were at the Kravis Center in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, probably about two, 3,000 people in attendance at this thing. It was packed. Uh, he did two shows, and they both sold out. But uh, there's Dennis Miller up on stage just killing it, and some guy decides to start heckling him. Right? Yeah. And Miller just ignores him and ignores him and ignores him, and the guy just won't stop. So I guess Dennis kind of figured they'd be coming to get the guy and escorting him out any minute. So Dennis drops his head and he goes like this. <sighs> drops his head down and he goes, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm absolutely incapable of human communication. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what he says to the guy. They come and then hold he the waits guy. Like, it waits two seconds and goes right back in, into his act. It's unbelievable. It's the he, greatest secular comeback I've ever heard. Uh, phenomenal. He he. Seeing him live was a fantastic, fantastic time. He uh, he's as good as it gets. Very very good. Yeah, he's absolutely uh, probably the best writer from my generation, and I think that's why we connected early in our days in Los Angeles. Uh, was because we were kind of two sides of the same coin. I was nicer, he was edgier, but we kind of approached jokes the same way. Yep. Yeah, you and did. I'll never forget the night we bonded, if you got time for a little story. We're at a place in the West Valley called uh, the L.A. Cabaret Comedy mm -hmm. Club. And uh, this is how long ago it was. We finally get good spirits. It's like 84. It's before he's broken. I just have gotten to town. We're fast friends. We finally get decent spots at this out-of-the-way club. 11.15, I go on. 11.30, he goes on. 11.14, Skip Stevenson walks into the joint. He's huge at the time. Right. Off that stupid show with Byron Allen, whatever the hell that show was. Right. Blasted on coke, right? So, of course, he's a big star. Boom, he gets to go right on stage, and he does an hour and a half, right? Oh. So, 1 a.m., <laughs> 1 a.m., 
funny. He leaves. Everybody leaves with him. There's four people left. And oh. the entire time he's on stage, Dennis is in my ear, uh, in, you know, essentially busting balls on Skip Stevenson. And, and it, like, constantly. And it's hilarious. For 90 minutes, I'm howling my ass off. And, and he, it's things like, I, I heard that joke with the original cast. You know, he's just nailing Skip Stevenson. And then here's how I knew I would love Dennis for the rest of my life. Dennis gets on stage at 1.10 a.m. There's literally three people there. He does every single joke he did in my ear. He does on stage just to show everybody I know what's going on. And it crushed, it crushed me. And I said, boy, this guy's got stones. I, I got I to gotta hang with this guy. Oh, it's very, very... Th- did he write most of his stuff on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live? Yeah, he did. I thought so. B- back in those days, they didn't have anybody dedicated to Weekend Update. Every, you know, that writing staff constantly has to behave like they're in, they're in Hitler's bunker. I mean, it's crazy survival mode. So everybody's trying to get their sketches on. That's the big thing. So nobody has time to write monologues. Uh, Herb Sargent... Uh, who was the veteran at that point in time, would, would throw Dennis some jokes. So Dennis would call me every, or I would call Dennis every now and then. He'd say, listen, I got a joke that's killing on the road, but it's got a shelf life of a week. Why don't you take it and run with it? So I would, I would feed him some jokes, and I think he never forgot that and loved that, and that's one of the reasons he called me when he had a chance to do his own show on HBO. What a great, one of the first times I ever saw him, and I don't know, because I, I was never really that big a Saturday Night Live watcher. At the beginning I was, and then when Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest were on, I watched it then too. But one of the yeah. first times I ever saw him on Weekend Update, he came on and said, it's been revealed, ladies and gentlemen, the city of New York, and New York, New York, New York State. The city of New York now has a white population of only 49%, so I'd like to announce... I'm sick and tired of getting hassled by the man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. It was a great joke. But you on stage, I also remember, and unfortunately, uh, Mr. Meany's no longer with us, but I saw you and he on stage at the old Guthrie in the round. It was the last thing I ever saw at that theater. So a very, very special night for me. That was a fab... Boy, working with Kevin Meany was... uh, It's just so much fun. Every second is fun. He he took nothing seriously. Oh, God, no. (laughs) And uh, so to work with him wasn't work, you know. It was so much fun, and I'll just never, ever forget what a superhuman being was. And plus, just, he could, I just loved the song. I, I still sing it. I sing it in his honor sometimes on gigs. I don't care, I don't care. <laughs> That's a great My jokes don't go over, I don't care. <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. Bing, bing, bing. Pow, 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 pow. I don't care, key change. I don't care. <laughs> he would announce the key change. That killed me. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, absolutely. He, uh, first time I ever met him, he comes in the studio, sits down. Is this, the K- this is a KQRS years ago. Sits down, looks at me, and goes, I got some advice for you. Get that puss off your face. Yeah. <laughs> apparently Wipe that puss off your face. Wipe that puss off your face. <laughs> <laughs> apparently I had a crabby look or something. I don't know. But, you know, so many great times, like I said, mentioning 
you and I are on the golf course and we're just laughing like lunatics. Hit you hit the ball, you go play golf. But man, I used to. Oh, well, I remember love... the one round I played out at Spring Hill. I think it was. Yep. Uh, I had, I think it was early in the year, so I had come zero prep. I had nothing, and he said, "You want to go golfing?" I went, "Sure." So I get to the place. Uh, you know, I might as well be a Hasidic Jew at that point. I might as well have a black hat on, curly diaper. I have nothing for golf. <laughs> you walk me into the clubhouse, it's like one of those fast changes in an old 90s movie. I come out looking like I'm a member in Caddyshack. I got, on, I got spikes, I got a little hat. I'm all set to golf. I'm set with a $1,000 set of clubs. It was so much fun. And then I, that was the... Yeah, that was the round I had to leave at, like, the 14th hole because I had to go catch a flight. I remember, yeah. And uh, and I almost hit a hole-in-one on the last hole. And then literally I tap in a two-foot putt, and I have never been able to say this before in my life until then. Got to go, guys. Got to <laughs> go. There's my birdie. Got to go because I just birdied. <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget it, absolutely. And I also remember going into the old KQ and doing shows and just feeling... You were so key to comedy early on in Minneapolis because you loved good comedy, you loved good comics, you were in a position, I have no idea what was going on from a business standpoint, but I just know this, you pushed to get comics on and not just the big names who were coming through town. You pushed hard to get Louie on because you knew A, kill mm-hmm. and b make the show look good c make the radio station look good but but i know i know now after 35 years behind the camera that's a heavyweight bout you never walk into somebody's office and go hey i want to do this and they go ah yeah sure <laughs> it's always <laughs> boom, right. one to the head a jab three to the body <laughs> round two it's a pummel fest and so to be able to do that, and then that greased the sledge for someone like me to come on. And then when I would go on, I would go, I got to kill. This guy worked his ass off to get local comics on to show everybody they were just as funny as national comics. So my hat's off to you for that. I know that was not easy. And then you get that kind of confidence in a show like that. You can go anywhere in the country and do radio because you were not like, uh, all right, we've got four minutes. Uh, give me three key ups, and then can you do the weather for us? Right, you right. That guy. <laughs> no, I, that was not the way we did it. No, you were the guy who said, "Okay, we'll get to some of your bits, but I also want you to wing off the top of your head. We're going to do the news. Let's go." So you had to prove yourself on that front, and boy, I, I loved, I, I loved doing your show. It was the highlight of my week. What's so amazing to me, Jeff, is I didn't know that nobody else put comics on. I just assumed it was such a natural that everybody yeah. would do it, but they didn't. And I, I was like, no. what is wrong with you? Yeah, I know, I know. It reminds me of, um, I was talking to Seinfeld, and he was like, uh, you know, he did the whole nine years of his show. They did it a whole different way from normal sitcoms. He came in out of left field. He came in from late night. As you recall, his pilot was originally for late night. Yep. He said, I don't yep. want to do a two-hour comedy special. I want to split it up into four and a half hours, and I'll do a sitcom with Larry David, and it'll be weird and off the wall. They snuck it in through late night. It gets on. It's a whole new way to do sitcoms, a whole new way to write sitcoms. It becomes the greatest hit sitcom 
of all time. Yep. And I'm talking to Jerry, and he goes, and right when I left, I thought I'd showed him a new way. They just shut the door and went back to the old way. They did. He's absolutely <laughs> right about that. That's how sick the heads are sometimes on that side of the of the business ledger. Yeah. They just they just don't care about the creative. So you got to keep hammering them. You need to get a hold of me when you get into town. Just a few more months. You come in in October. He's going to be at Acme. Jeff Cesario, ladies and gentlemen. I got to see you, man. I haven't seen you in a long time. It. it yeah, we'll do it for sure. We'll do I'm, it. I'm uh, like I'm 103. I have a mask surgically implanted in the back of my throat, so you don't even see it. Perfect. I'm very, <laughs> very, <laughs> I'm very happy about that. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. It means a ton to me, as as does our friendship, man. You're a great friend. Love you, pal. Hey, man, love you, and uh, continued success, and we'll hang soon, brother. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, sir. See ya. Bye. We'll take a break. Be back with our two. Catherine has shown up, which is good. Alex's kids it's are here. Me. We know that. We know. Wrangling children. <laughs> right. Trying to do a show. They're very excited. In between spilling water, smashing chairs, and... Falling. Over. And falling. <laughs> I'm going to the bathroom. Hell of a first hour. The family is all here. Doug Sprinthal is here. And by the way, you guys can jump in and ask questions anytime you want. It's not like I'm carrying on some long deal here. Carrying out some long I don't like deal. Cesario. <laughs> yeah, nah. nice try. Yeah. What a horrible human being he is. Sagey, yeah, be careful with the lamp out there, please. We start with a couple of big, uh, big names: Don Shelby and Jeff Cesario. Oh, Got a I second hour. Don. Don was phenomenal. Yeah. He was the first segment. Uh, he was great. But a couple of greats coming up in second hour too. Mm. We'll be back right after this. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's snow. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. <laughs> By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Hey, folks, Brian Zepp here. Spring is gearing up, and if you're like me, you've already got the itch to hit the road. Make sure you and your motorcycle are ready with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. They've got 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets, too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Get in gear and head to DennisKirk.com. Take it from Zep. They ship today. that Sage has a sharky, just like Andy. Yes, he does. Hot news at the the moment. His His sharky is blue and yours is gray. Mine was gray, yes. And smaller. We went to the aquarium yesterday for Fawn's Sea life. The Mall of America America. Aquarium. So Sage got a shark and Fawn got a mermaid. I forgot that that place is pretty cool. It it's is real. I've been there a long we time. We talked so about cool. it in the morning. I get. I went there with my kids when they were that age. Yeah. And I get vertigo standing in the. It thing. is I, a yeah. little woozy. Fawn after yeah. a while, she was like, "Can we get out of here?" Because yeah. the people in front of us going through the tunnel took forever. Oh. They were stopping at every fish and taking twenty-seven yeah, pictures. But, I was like, "I'm gonna barf. Yeah, but, get out of yeah, here." Okay. I'm not, I feel fault. good. I'm not the only one. Yeah, no, I definitely. Wasn't their fault they got wedged in there? They're big and. Yep. Well, they were. Oh, it's some size. Well, there's there's a lot of mirrors, and then with yeah. the stuff floating mm-hmm. around, you're a little bit and it's well, and dark in, a in there. Well, you're in tunnel, and it's yeah. dark. Yeah, it's after like a, a little bit like whoa. Fawn like was like, I feel weird, trippy. Twelve like, foot shark right above your head. Yeah. That was odd. Yeah, well, it was a great time. The jellyfish room. The ray. Oh Forgot gosh. all about the jellyfish room. Do we have a guest on the horn, Andy? We sure do. We got Paul McCurio. Who? Paul? Who? Never heard of him. COVID Kenny? Is that who we're talking to? You know, here's a man, by the way, I cannot get this vision out of my head, sitting on a beach on the Atlantic Ocean with Catherine and Paul Mercurio and me. I'll never get that out of my head. It's your fault. Beautiful day. It was gorgeous. What's happening, Pally? Hey, guys. How are you? We're doing well. Nine years, 2,000 episodes of this bad boy. You've been on it many, many. When are you coming to town again? Get, Get off your butt and get to town. What are you doing? Yeah, we're just, I'm going to start coming out again now that people are vaccinated. I mean, I had COVID, so I'm still dealing with, like, I'm, I guess they call me a long hauler, so I'm, like, still dealing with stuff from it, and I've been a little hesitant to kind of go near people. But, so, uh, you know. how was that? How was having COVID? Well, I mean, I'm still really tired from it, like, and I, I sat on my stamina back, and I got, like, joint issues, and they don't know, like, they just don't know why any of this is happening. Like, I've been one of this doctor, like, one of the best COVID doctors in New York, and, you know, you'll sit there, and you'll go, like, oh, I'm tired all the time, <clears throat> yeah, and I lost my sense of taste and smell, and I, yep, yep, we've heard that, and I got aches and pains, yeah, we've heard that. And you could say anything, like, you know, um, you know, frogs crawl out of my butt every Tuesday. Yep, yep, we've heard that. You yeah, told me that, right. yeah, I remember you told me that. <laughs> it was a big problem. And <laughs> so it's like, and uh, which isn't a bad thing. And uh, so they just don't know. And so, you know, they got me taking a couple of different meds to kind of deal with it. So my blood's inflamed, and so they give you these meds and stuff. And then I think probably... 
like the worst one of the worst things is you get friends that try to help you with stories that oh, God, you know yeah. like you know you know what I'm talking about like this one guy's like uh, oh you got it huh yeah you lost your taste of smell yeah yeah I got a friend of mine yeah it's been over a year he still doesn't have his taste of smell back I'm like okay <laughs> and then another guy um, he was he was fine I swear to God I'm not making this up this is what he said he goes so the other was fine and you know he was out and about and out of bed and. About a month later, he had a blood clot and collapsed in the parking lot of a Walmart. I'm like, what are you doing? Why is he telling you that? Exactly. And then, and then another guy, he goes, yeah, yeah, he thought he was fine, and six months later, his lung collapsed. I'm like, I'm not going to be your friend anymore. I can't do this. <laughs> I understand like, that completely. Facebook medical degrees. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. exactly. And um, so, you know, it's just been, the, the fatigue has been a real drag, and like uh, you know, I, I feel like a ninety-year-old man some days. But um, you know, and I'm uh, in New York is you know coming back. But that's get, that that's been weird. That whole thing here has been just so bizarre. You know. No, um, I did see the Colbert is going to bring back an audience. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, um, we're looking at June fourteenth. Uh, we're going to do some test shows ahead of time, and they are going to open it back up. You know, we weren't sure because it's a Broadway house basically it's a theater from the 20s so like we weren't sure if we we're going to go the way that broadway was going and open up like based on their schedule but yeah. i guess because of people vaccinated and stuff but the city's been it's coming back but it's been like it's just been weird it's been like too quiet like like you, i like i would get up at like six in the morning and just jackhammer around the city just so i felt like things were normal <laughs> you know what i mean like just just stand outside people's apartments and just yell in different languages, you know. Um, and so, but I think things are coming back to normal because I saw two cab drivers get in a fight and uh, classic, like, over a parking spot, I think, and they both got out of their cab and they literally, it turned into a fist fight and they had their masks on and they were fighting and then I think one of them realized they're supposed to be six feet apart so he kind of like ran backwards a few feet and then like ran at him <laughs> this windmill like, from six feet apart it was like yeah. a, exactly it was like a big slap fight like <laughs> you know? uh, so it's just yeah so it's just been uh, you know we've been out of the city up in uh, up in Connecticut hanging out up as much as we can so yeah you guys are all safe. Every nobody got it, right? Nobody got it that we know of. No. I've, uh, I, yeah, not not anybody in the family ever showed any sign of having it. So, mm. uh, although I do remember a year and well, a half. My dad ago, had it. Yeah, your dad had her. Her father, ninety-four-year-old father, had it and made it through. So that was good news. With no no yeah. no after effects whatsoever. Yeah, none. <laughs> it was amazing. Well, thanks. I feel really good about myself. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? Get some exercise. Jesus. <laughs> Can I come visit your father and have him beat me in arm wrestling? <laughs> come over here, Sonny. We're going to Indian leg wrestling. Yeah. Uh, for, uh, for some of our new listeners, I, had, I do have to point out, one of the great thrills of my life is having Paul Mercurio as a passenger in my car. Because it's nonstop commentary. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, uh, I actually go out of my way to make my wife pull alongside a car so I can give dirty looks. Um, 
So we're pulling onto the highway, and this Yahoo in an 18-wheeler decides he's just going to pull on. Well, no, we're on the highway. He pulls on, and he's going to cut right in front of us oh, like he's driving a, you know, a Mazda Miata. Right, right. right. And, and they're one of these guys. So my wife's just like, oh, drivers, they, they stink, you know, whatever. And me, i got to say something, right, because I'm like you. Like you. What was that phrase we came up with when we were driving? Didn't we come up with something that we, we yelled did. at people? Yeah, we did. What was it again? It was... <laughs> I, and I think there was a swear word in it. So maybe of course there, there was. <laughs> There's a possibility there was a swear word in it. You're right. Absolutely. So I, so I have my wife pull up alongside the truck, right, just to make the point. I roll the window down, and I and I, I didn't give him the finger, but I gave him one of these, like, when you know when you throw your hands up, like, what the, uh, like that. Right, like, right. Drying truck, but I'm hanging out the window going 70 miles an hour, and I'm like, I got to get a sort of therapy because this is not helping anybody. <laughs> Well, you should get there anyway. I'm gonna. I'm. I was telling somebody I'm gonna miss COVID because I had an excuse not to be around people, and I hate people. Like I know, it's like I just can't deal with it, and I'm not. I'm out of practice when it comes to confrontation. Like you know how I am. Like I got. I think I got to say something all the time. Yes. So I'm going to get my mother some coffee, and I pull. I pull into the drive-through, and this conversation happens. I got. Uh, I'd like a, a large hot coffee. Blueberry muffin. Okay, you want a cranberry muffin? No, a blueberry muffin. <laughs> and, and you want a, and you want an iced coffee? No, hot coffee. You want small or large? Large. Okay, large iced coffee. Do you want anything? No, hot coffee. Yes, I'd like cream in it. Okay, a cranberry muffin, a hot coffee, and you want uh, you want something in that? I go yeah. I go cream. He goes, okay, and then he goes okay. Come around, uh, black coffee. I go no, something. Cream, half and half. I want something in it. Anything that's white. That's what I said. Uh oh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so I'm like praying now if I go around that this guy at the window's not black, and sure enough, he's black. Whoops. Uh, Whoops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hot coffee really burns your face, I'll tell you that. Get <laughs> <laughs> a little pitch at you, did it? Yeah, a little. Uh, I don't think I'm prepared to go back into the real world. Right no, now. you are. Look, you handle crowds better than any comedian I've ever seen. I mean, you drag people up on stage, and you get the best out of them, I think, better than anybody I've ever seen, Paul. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I'm not as strong as your father-in-law, apparently. I'm just a weak, shriveled-up old man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, the building, the building had this policy of, like... Um, only one person in the elevator uh, at yeah. a time. Oh you know? yeah, sure. Which was, which again was great for me because there's nothing I hate more than having to make small talk in the elevator, right? Oh, yeah, yep. And and if it's a building like a business building, it doesn't matter because you never see the person. Yet, but these are people that your neighbors, so you've got to kind of make small talk. And I just, I just hated it, and it was so great to get on. It was almost worth getting COVID so I didn't have to talk to anybody. You know, <laughs> that's really nice. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, I just, like, if you, like, if you poisoned me, right, and I had to get to, like, the 11th floor in my building to get the antidote, and then I got on, and then, like, you got on right after me, not you, my friend, but somebody I don't know, I would just get off the elevator and die in the lobby. <laughs> I, <would> just, <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Uh, yeah. uh, and I just so, thought of something on this show. This show has four segments, a two-hour show. It's got four segments. Mm -hmm. 
and 50% of the segments are taken up by Italian people. I don't know if I like that or not. Hey, you know hey. what I like? I like a little gabagol and a spaghetti and a meatball. Yeah. Oh, God, where is Alex? Yeah. I eat one, another thing I love, you would come up to Alex. Paul McCurry would come up to Alex and start talk, making up Italian words just to piss her off. It was phenomenal. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go to the store. You want some pasta fagioli? <laughs> That was so fantastic. Oh my God. What a day today. Linguini camera. <laughs> <laughs> she hates that miss, so much. Yeah, I miss seeing you guys. I'm really looking forward to getting back out there. Oh, you got it. Having you... our drives together and going <laughs> yes. golfing. I've been golfing with my son. That's going pretty well. well you said your, so son's a, your son's a pretty good player, you said, huh? He is. He hits it, he hits it long now. He's kicking my rear end he's and he's got a pretty good short game and uh it's annoying i cut his hamstring and right. uh, excellent so I, yeah you know just to kind of have an up a, a little edge on him well but, you can uh, you can use the COVID excuse for the rest of time yep <laughs> it's true oh you beat a sick person good yeah job. good for you kid. oh my COVID's acting up today mm-hmm. no wonder you oh. won Oh, I need a I need a couple of strokes on this. Let's play best ball. <laughs> no. I should point out one of the great tips of playing with Paul Mercurio is uh first time that I ever played golf with Paul Mercurio, we also played with Rick Bronson from Rick Bronson's House Comedy. And uh every time that Mr. Mercurio would make up a, a putt, he would then run around the green with his putter straight up in the air cheering for himself. Wow. <laughs> right. It was a real thrill. Right. I I still do that now, but I do it without pants. And, oh, it makes uh, it even better. That, 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 could, that could even better. I well, I was just feeling so. You're such a good golfer, and Rick, uh-huh. who is annoying just as a human being, and then <laughs> as a, you know, I mean, I love him, but he's you know, he's annoying. He's tiny, and he's anno- he's wedding cake tiny, and uh, <laughs> yes. and, and he uh, and he and he just loves to put it in your face when he golfs. So I had to like I had like I had two good putts the whole day, or maybe a couple more. I had to strut my stuff, as they say, and like kind of, you know. But I don't know. My um, it's just been good to. I mean, I've spent a lot of time with my son, which has been great. He's been home and stuff, so that's been good. And uh, although the dog kind of looks at me like, "What's going on?" You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. It's like because like you know they're not used to having you around, and then like. It was like uh, initially the dog was like, "Oh, this is awesome! You're here." And then like, then it was like a second stage of almost like, "Oh, well, wh- why are you here yeah. a lot?" And then the third stage was like, "Would you just get out of the house? You're such a pain in the ass. Can you just leave, please." <laughs> You're a jerk. Like even the dog vibes that I, <laughs> you don't want to live with me. You know, it's just crazy. One of the great things about Paul Mercurio, ladies and gentlemen, I believe it was your father's funeral, if I remember correctly. And your mm. cousin was selling mattresses out of the back mm-hmm. of his car at the funeral. God. Yes. Which yes. I thought yes. was a nice Italian touch right hey. there. Shameless opportunism. You ever hear this American one, way. Mm-hmm. I have not. Oh, it, Paul, do you mind? Great. What was the name no, of no. Your, your cousin? What, the, what was his name again? My cousin, my cousin Bobby. Bobby. There you go. Bobby. Doug. Bobby. Yeah. Bobby, Paul. Was, uh, Bobby was a very handsome man. He's like six four, like an Adonis, like even better looking than John Travolta. You know what I'm saying? And he talked like that. And he uh, and he wore really tight pants, white, always white with white loafers, and, like 
he was standing in front of the social club, like, you know, you know the kind you see in the mob movies, because he was a numbers runner, and he'd smoke his cigarettes, and his legs were always moving, you know, like, hey, how you doing, how you doing? Oh, like, yeah. A live snake in his pants. Yeah, like, there's, like, two <laughs> live snakes in his pants trying to get out, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and he basically... You know, just was your classic Italian, like, going to make money the easy way. I'm not going to get a job working this for roofs, that kind of thing. So he came to my father's open casket funeral, which I always love because they go, oh, he looks so good. I'm like, no, he looks dead with makeup on. He doesn't look good at all. Okay? <laughs> That's very true. Oh, my God, that Italian thing is so weird. And um, so so Bobby, you know, uh, and so everybody's there, like, at the, at the funeral. And, you know, like, it's. People come in, like, subdued colors, like grays and blacks and blues and bob. And, sure. you know, and, and you're in the receiving line, and you see this long line of people. And at the, at the end of the, of the room, way in the back of the funeral home, is this, like, fluorescent orange dot coming at us, right? And as it gets closer, it's my cousin Bobby. And, and, and none of this is made up. He, he came dressed in a fluorescent orange silk shirt, unbuttoned with gold chains hanging out. <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, like it's like he went and got spot and put it on his chest. That's how much chest hair he had, Sean. He had white slacks, white mesh loafers. He was like a creamsicle with chest hair, basically, is what he was. Odd. And then, and it was the summer, right? So he put he would always, he always in the summer he would never wear socks. He wear loafers with no socks. But it was the summer, and he actually wanted to stay cool, so he put powder on his feet. But he overdoes everything, like, you know, he uses like a gallon of high karate in a week, right? <laughs> and he put so much powder on his feet that every time he'd step toward the casket, puffs of white smoke were coming out of the top of his shoes. <laughs> and I'm like, I leaned over to my brother Arthur, I'm like, I think somebody nominated a pope. I don't know what's going on with the white smoke. So, so he comes closer and he sits down and he does the kneels and does the prayer at the casket. And he comes over to me, and um, and then he goes like this. He's, he's got he goes, hey, uh, uh, Paulie. He goes, Paulie, uh, Uncle Otta. That was my father, Uncle Otta. He was a he was a good man. And he grabs, you know, like when an Italian grabs your hand, like the one hand by the wrist, and then pulls it in, right? And pulls my hand and and puts his hand against mine, and he palms me. A little something for the funeral. And he cost me $50 like I'm a maitre d' at a restaurant. <laughs> at your father's funeral. Yeah, just to help out a little bit. $50. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Bobby, that's great. It's not going to even pay for the flowers, you cheap. Uh, so we leave. So now he's hanging out. And now, and then he did this, like, Elvis turn. Because you know, like, everybody's facing you when you're at the casket. Right. There's a whole, like, full audience. And after he did it, I swear to God, he did this turn, like, thank you very much. And he turned to, like, the whole house, like he was performing, and just started, like, 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 you know, his, his, his hips were moving back and forth, like he was, like, going to do an Elvis song. And he's, like, perusing, I think, the, the room for, like, women, like, picking up women. And he starts working the room, and he's hitting on women at the, at the funeral, right? So we, the funeral's over, and we leave, and it's night now, and we go, and the only cars left in the parking lot are, like, mine, my brother's, my mother's. And in the back of the parking lot is Bobby, and he's got, like, a van, and he's got mattresses pulled out of the van and stacked up all around the van. Like, <laughs> and, he, and he said, he said to me, I said to him, I go, Bobby, were you selling 
mattresses at my father's funeral. He goes, yeah. He goes, it was a great place, you know. People were kind of bummed out. They're sleepy. I figured they'd need a mattress, <laughs> Yes, you know? they're sleepy, sure. <laughs> I go, Bobby, you know, we have a furniture business. Does we do that for a living? Like, well, did you, do you have an account with a company? He goes, nah, you're doing that account with a company. I go to the, I go to I go to the dump. They got them all over at the dump. Uh, and I got, oh. I got this uh, Chinese guy. I give him $50. Covers them for $50. I sell them for 600 Oh, my God. You want in on this? You want in a little bit? I'm like, <laughs> like, no, that's okay. He's like selling mattresses with bugs in them for one of my and, favorite uh, things about that whole deal is that he dukes you a 50 at your dad's yeah. funeral. Yeah. 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 Everybody else, yeah. Everybody else is putting it in cards, you yeah, know, like a with card. a nice note. Because he's got a, he's all flash. It's all flash. He was running numbers $100,000 a week out of his father's house after his father passed away. And he was driving a Jag. His wife was driving a Mercedes. They were all like diamonds and things and this and that. No visible means of support, and uh, and they busted him, and they you know they put him away for a little time for running numbers, and, he, and he, they did a sting, and he literally said to me, "I have no idea how they knew what was going on." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did they ever figure it out? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Well, do you, do you go to? Do you know many open casket funerals in the Midwest? I don't, I've never been I've to never one. Been when to when one. I was a kid growing up in, yeah. in New England, they all were, right? They all were, yeah, back in yeah. the day. The wake, the wake here is usually when they have the open casket. They have the open yeah. deal. Mm-hmm. They don't usually do it yeah. at the where, where in New England did you grow up? Well, I was born in Providence. My uh, grandmother lived in Pawtucket. It's where my dad yeah. uh, was born. I was uh, born in Providence. Yeah, well, it's a small state. You're either born in, you That's know, true. Providence like or Pawtucket, or. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, but I, but we moved to Lexington when I was probably five or six, and lived there until we oh. moved out to the Midwest. Oh, okay. So you don't have the, you don't have that Italian garlic stain. No, on no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm old school Episcopalian. My forefathers taught the mar- taught the pilgrims how to make martinis. That's that's my family. <laughs> That's a wonderful thing. So my cousin Bobby, you're an Episcopalian. He goes, Episcopalian, what is that? You got a bad back? (laughs) (laughs) Sage, he liked that joke. Uh, Yeah, he got a two-year-old to laugh. That was good. He didn't hear it. Yeah, but he (laughs) laughed. It's very funny. Doesn't matter. He's laughing. He loved it. You need to get Uh, to town, Paulie. When are you coming to town? Well, uh, we're looking at something later in the year, like uh, after the summer. So we're starting to kind of starting to kind of book stuff. I'm starting to feel comfortable going back because like I got I got this scene at a club, and so I want to make sure a lot of people get back. I'm not trying to lecture anybody, but I want to make sure that I'm safe when I go out again because I don't want to get this a second time or whatever. But um, but uh, I'm uh, so probably uh, you know after Labor Day, I'll let you know when we get a specific date. And uh, love to see you guys again. I miss everybody and. Uh, hang out and go driving with you and swear to you. Yeah, we'll go driving. It'll be it'll be magnificent. Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. It's just I, of course. I just cherish you your friendship. Family. Congratulations on two thousand. That's awesome. Not surprised, but it's awesome. Good thank you. you, sir. We'll t- we'll see you soon, hopefully. All right. Yeah. Same here. Take care, everybody. You too. Bye. Bye, bye, gentlemen. One of the nicest men. One of the funniest guys I've ever met. Paul Mercurio. Oh, hanging out with him for an entire day and what, just listening to him riff on things is amazing. That guy's so quick. It is unbelievable. But he, uh, yeah, he would. He's got a one-liner for everything. Not a problem at all. That's just a great storyteller. 
Catherine, I was going to throw in at the end. Oh, you know what? Can you hang around just five more minutes? Because Donald Trump's going to be on next. Oh, God. He, <laughs> he hates yeah, Trump yeah. so much. It's he's hilarious. One those, he's one of those constantly tweeting about how much he hates Trump guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for like a year and a half. You're like, we get it. Yeah, we, we get it, Paul. We get it. Yeah, we know. <laughs> that would have been very funny. We should have done that. All right, we'll take a break. Be back with our final guest. We we won't even tell you who it is. Yet. Or did we tell him? Two more guests, technically. Oh, that's right. We do have two more guests, yep. uh, which is great news. That's wonderful. We'll be back with the family. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. Continuum is here, it's new, and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. There are no pills or surgeries. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole, nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They are upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation and find out more today. Go to their website, ContinuumWeightWellbeing.com, or call or text them at 952 952- Four nine one six five two seven. That's Continuum. C O N T I N U U M. Continuum Weight Wellbeing dot com. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing. Life beyond weight loss mode. We're back with the Tom Bernard Show. Without Tom again, he keeps yeah. wandering well, in and out. Well, so, only you know, the two thousand episode. There's really little reason for him to. We have Walter Cronkite guesting soon, and all kinds of fancy yeah, people. His, uh, yeah, his two thousand. No hey, what are you doing? He'll there? be back any second now. Yeah, just he will. But we have, we have a guest on right now. Yes, we sure do. Oh yeah, oh, he's back. He's oh, been here. Is he Hello. 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 How are you? I'm all right. 
How you guys doing? Good. Oh, Tom, JB's on the phone. He just called JB. What's stiff? What? (laughs) What's up? I heard you're a big shot now, having all these uh, big names on your podcast. That's what I've heard. I've had a couple. I wouldn't say a lot, but I've had a couple. So how's it going? You like doing a podcast? Yeah, because uh, it's been, through COVID and whatnot, it's been pretty good to uh, express myself. Are you wearing a mask right now? Yes, I am. I <laughs> could hear it. What are you doing? Aren't you by yourself? No. Oh, you're not? Oh, he's no. at work. I'm at work. Oh, you're at uh, work. I you have know. to wear a mask at work? When did you get a job? <laughs> I've had this job for a year plus. That's amazing. It's unbelievable. Time flies. You know, i got to ask you something, JB, and I'm very serious yes, about this. You know how everybody's got this, you know, this woke culture and this and that and the other thing and all the rest of it. So my question has been, 30 years ago, 32 years ago, we bring in two black guys, two Jews, uh, a woman, an Asian woman on the overnight show. Where was everybody talking about, hey, we need to all work together 30 years ago? Where were all these people then? What happened? Well, that was because we were we were something different, and we were making money off of it. So people were jealous. So they wouldn't talk about it. Now, of course, if you don't do it, then you're a, you're a horrible racist and blah, blah, blah. But when we actually did it 30 years before anybody else did it, nobody cared. It was weird. Correct. It was just weird. I mean, you guys, you and Philip broke the mold in this market. There is no question. In that so you, many ways. In so many ways. You and Philip did. Yes. By broke, I mean ruined. No, that's no. <laughs> well, it's, it's frustrating because in this market, it's still very, very uh, low. Honky-ish? Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> no. Very low. I mean, uh, one of the stations have given a couple of people weekend spots and celebrate like it's some great accomplishment. Oh, I know. Like, it's like, that's just throwaway time. How about drive time, either in the morning or the afternoon? Well, and the amazing thing, JB, is that when you and Philip were both on the show back in the day, it was the highest rated morning show in America, and nobody cared. It was like, what? Well, when I bring that up to people, nobody believes me. <laughs> they don't believe it was true that you were actually, no. you hung out with that guy? What the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> well, that's... And I'm, I'm, and I gotta be careful how I say this, but I've said this to you before. Unfortunately, as soon as I bring your name up, for some people, they shut down. So. Isn't that hilarious? And they don't even know me. Isn't that weird? No. No, it's very strange. I understand it. Yeah, Catherine gets it. She does the same thing, but she's known me a long time, so that, that, well, you know, she's, she's married to you. Exactly, it's oh, a whole deal. Believe me, there's been plenty of times where if I like going out with friends, I'm like, don't mention that I'm married to Tom, please. And they're like, why? And I'm because like, I don't want to talk about Tom all night. Yeah, you know whether they hate him or they love him. What's he, I just what's he don't, really yeah. like? Really, yeah, I know. Yeah, the- exactly. well, and of course I, uh, they would anyway yeah. because my friends well, suck. <laughs> well, wow. I'm, yeah. still, I'm still playing baseball at 59. I love. God, you're 59. I can't believe I'm it. I'm 59. Two days ago. Yep. Yep. The birthday. Happy um, birthday. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Tom. I heard that you mentioned that on 
the radio station. Well, and the so. podcast. And, oh, and also the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It was your birthday. But uh, I was playing baseball one Sunday over in St. Paul, and the opposing manager has been the opposing manager for years for that team in St. Paul. And all his new, new players, he introduced me as, this is JB from KQ. <laughs> oh, God, really? <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was like, uh, I'm not there anymore, or, you know, whatever. Because, like Catherine said, you, you do have that fear of what are people going to say next? Yeah, I suppose that's true. And you, and you would believe half the crap I've heard over the years. So, so not all good? Is that what you're saying? Oh, oh no. I just, where do they get it? Where do they even come up with this crap? Huh. I, I don't know. Wow. It's been, see, and I've never told you this, but I may have told, it was either Doug or Mike I told this to a couple of summers ago. I started a relationship and it was, we were three, four weeks in and it was pretty good. And I had her listen to the podcast. I had made an appearance. And she ghosted me. After appearing on this wow. podcast? Yep. Oh, that's right. Didn't she say it was the most racist show she'd ever heard? <laughs> yes. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it's, it must have been Mexican Monday. She yes, it was on Mexican Monday. She did. It was unbelievable. Oh, Lord. On what Taiwan Mexican- Tuesdays. What? what the hell is Mexican Monday? I just made it up. We made it's it up. Not, it's not a thing. He's just being racist for yeah. fun. You know me. I hate you, everybody. You know Sprinthal. It's just how he is. Well, but it's, you know, like I said, it was it was groundbreaking, but not only that, it, it's helped me through the years, and it's helped, still helping me now because, like I said, with my, with my own podcast, um, which I tell people, tell my guests, I was going to write a book, but I don't know how to write a book, so I decided to have a podcast. Well, see, there you go. That'll work. <laughs> yeah, and just have people I know on to um, tell their stories. But it's also allowed me, through this mess of COVID and racial tension, change in athletics and all these things that are going on today is giving me a chance to have my own voice. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, man. So, when, when you're coming over to the house, man, we've been there like a year and we still have, well, <laughs> I haven't seen anybody in two years now. It's un, it's weird. Well, number one, it's hard to come to somebody's house when they don't give you an address. Well, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> you know Dang. how to text. <laughs> and number two, <laughs> Number two, you just don't invite yourself, especially in, in these days and times, to anybody's house because you you don't know what their, their where people are at right now yeah. with having guests and whatnot. Well, yeah, I we've suppose. never been weird about it. No, so you got to come over for dinner one night, JB. You live about two blocks away, so it's not that far. Well, I probably run past it, so you, you might. might. Yeah, you might. Yeah, I'm I'm still running. I ran four something yesterday, no, Tuesday. Four point one. My time's dropping because they got me on all types of medications. Why do you on all kinds? Ca- what? They can't figure out what what's causing the numbness in my hands and feet. 
Don't tell me that. I didn't need to hear that. Are you okay? As far as I know. Jesus. I mean, they've done every test they can think of, and they all come back. Well. Either do, do a negatively or positively in my favor. So. Well, that's a very good thing. Just don't forget what the two boys said to the old woman the, uh, in the back of the pickup truck in Grapes of Wrath. I'm really worried about Ma. She's getting awfully old. Yeah, she's 55. <laughs> I will never forget that as long as I live. She's really old. She's 55. <laughs> JB, I will reach out. So I'm assuming you have the same phone number, so I will reach out and we'll get yeah, a little dinner on the docket. Yeah, that'd be nice because that, you know, like to, to discuss more about my show and whatnot. For people who don't know, it's called JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB's Low Tech Podcast, and they can find right. it just about everywhere. Well, you can find it on Podbean, uh, for sure. Podbean, okay. Yeah, and um, I also started a glove repair, equipment repair business, which has actually been doing surprisingly pretty good. Good. Glad to hear so it. They're my number two sponsor on the podcast. That's how it should be. All right, Pally, <laughs> we will reach out well, and we'll get together. Yeah, and I just want to say congratulations to all of you on 2000. That's a hell of a mark, especially for somebody who just hit number 30. So, yeah. hit show. Yeah, that all, it, hey, we, you, were, you were a big part of the 2000, so it all worked out in the end, man. <laughs> well, it's... Um, I only do it once a week, and you guys do it five days a week, so that's do, pretty cool. Do you use I'm Black, Y'all, as your theme music? Uh, no, that is used for my um, best of or lost episodes. Good, good. I, I've even had, I've had four of those. Well, good. So you are using it still because we need it, it made its debut on the KQ Morning Show about 25 years ago, and it needs to continue. No, I am using a different Tony tune for my opening. What is it? Uh, all, it's called All Bitch, Please. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, well, hey, whatever works. Red, Red Fox says All Bitch, Please. No, Del Reese says All Bitch, Please to, uh, to Red Fox. Yes, that's exactly it. Del <laughs> And then she asked, do you want a sandwich? And there's other... <laughs> I love it. All right, Pally, we will see you soon. Thank you so much for calling in, JB. It's great talking to you, Pally. Uh, Well, thanks for remembering me. It's nice to be remembered. (laughs) We we all believe that's true. It's nice to be remembered. (laughs) We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, gang. Bye. You too. JB, ladies and gentlemen, one of the two first black men ever on the radio in in the state of Minnesota. What do you think of that action? Well done, Tom. And no... Well done, Tom. I'm just saying nobody cared, but now it's all they care about. But they don't look back and go, you know, this happened 30 years ago. That's what happens when you're ahead of your time. I guess. I'm a little concerned that he fell for Mexican Mondays. Yeah, he did. He thought it was real. (laughs) He actually thought it was real. (laughs) Mexican Monday, Taiwan Tuesday, Uyghur Wednesday. (laughs) We got it all. We got it all cooking. Yeah, it's our favorite slave show on Wednesdays. You guys haven't seen JB in two years. I saw him at the Container Store. He came and visited me. He did. Was he wearing his mask? 
Okay, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Wow. He, I mean, he loves that man. I think the last time I saw him was the old studios because they used to come in and it's do Fridays once in a while. He'd always fall asleep in the show. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Except yeah. when who was on. He never fell asleep when one guy was on. One guy? Who? Remember? A comedian? He would oh, have to oh, Gilbert Godfrey. Gilbert Godfrey. Oh, yeah. It was God. phenomenal. Just... Oh, God, he hated Gilbert. We have Louie on the phone. Well, he hates Louie, too. No, that's not true. Louie, uh, how are you, Pally? I'm good. How are you, Tommy? Marvelous. A bunch of really, really close friends have called in today, and I just uh, it mm-hmm. makes me very happy. 2000's episode, nine years in, and uh, man... We had all these... All Yay, these... 2,000 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> the, I remember when you did episode one. You do remember when I did episode oh, one. Oh, God. Yeah. The Nick Swartz. My God, that's such guest. an accomplishment. That's and so you realize well. you, can account, you can account for your time 2,000 times unless if there's a trial. Yeah, we got so alibis. We do, yes. I was on the podcast. It wasn't me. That's what I will tell mm-hmm. everybody. I, I, that, was the day Cap, that was the day Catherine missed it, though, so I don't know where <laughs> you were. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. Louis, one of my great uh, memories uh, of being your friend for many, many years, first of all, when you, when you brought about the 15 dozen donuts to the very first show at Treasure Island in Vegas... <laughs> And then again, when I watched you accept the Emmy Award for Best Actor, I, it, Louis, that was one one proud moment. The fact that I I watched you be so grateful that you won that Emmy, it was wonderful. I think, though, also you were a predictor of that Emmy early on. That's true. Yeah, I did say you're going to win that yeah, thing. Yeah, you said, you know? you're going to win that. And I go, ah. Ah. Well, you're a beautiful <laughs> woman. That's why I'm saying that. <laughs> you know... I'm actually a, I actually look like a real woman. I don't you look did. like a, I mean, I was able to make the transformation. It was amazing watching that very first episode. And here comes Louis. Louis a Louis a woman in that in, in the show, and it was. You did a hell of a job, man. People loved it. Well, obviously, you don't win a you don't win a Best Actor award unless you're doing a good job, man. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a great thing. Be, you know, it's always. I'm happy that I won it, mostly so people would, you know, this is, I used to get mad because people never thought I was a very good actor, and I go, I don't care what you say. What? But um, then when they started saying this, this made me laugh hard. Oh, I didn't think you had that in you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very Minnesota thing to say, isn't it? Yes, oh, it yes. Is. You are correct. That's a very Minnesota thing to say, no doubt about it. But that changed my whole career at 61. I got the part of my lifetime, and I've been working ever since. Oh, God, you've been working. Yeah, but you've been, I, look, let's not forget being on the Carson show. That kind of helped you out, too. I'm pretty sure you killed it on that show. Well, that show, I mean, gave me a career. It did. The next day, I mean, people were saying, you were great last night. And I go, oh, God, well, who are you? Anyway, um... <laughs> You know, and that was really a, a eye-opening thing, and people were interested in making deals. And I went to the uh, Vegas, and then I got I opened for the Commodores the next week on the Vegas Strip. Oh and God, Jesus! I just it was a whirlwind. That it was just like everything you dream of doing. 
You know what's weird, Louis? That can never happen again because of streaming. Hardly anybody watches broadcast TV anymore, so I don't know if that would ever happen again. Not that many people. Well, Don Shelby was on the first segment. He said there used to be three stations, now 450. So you got no shot at numbers like that anymore. You can build a YouTube presence. I think Donnie had a steady 27 million people. Wow. Unbelievable. And that was when there was less than... 60, probably about 60 million watching TV then. Yeah, there's about almost half the, half of the people available to watch television. It was wow. unbelievable. Yeah. That show was huge. And nothing will ever I'm top sure. that, Louie. No talk show will ever top Johnny Carson. It's not No, no, happen. nobody will. No. God. You know, um, have you been watching the late night thing on uh, CNN? Uh, uh, no, I have not watched. I have not. It's I've, worth it's really worth watching because they really do show the actual transformation of, you know, from uh, Steve Allen to, oh. you know, and they have all the early Letterman stuff on when he was a weatherman, and then a daytime show, mm-hmm. and then they really show the transformation of late night and Johnny, how he, you know, what happened and how he did it. And people, you know, his family talks, and people who are there talk. You know, people who are yep. close to those people. So it's fascinating to me. God, you look back at those. Can you believe that a kid from St. Paul, all of a sudden there you are on uh, on the Johnny Carson show, and Johnny's just falling apart. I'll never forget watching that night. Johnny could not handle it. He was laughing that hard. Well, no, I would. It, uh, it chokes me up. Oh, Louie, I love we love you, Louie. That's the very reason we love you so much, man. You're part of the family. Do you want to do you want to call back? <laughs> no, I'm okay. No, you're but not. you know, I think oh. it's good to be. I think it should be emotional about stuff. Why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree much. Shows a sign of a real woman <laughs> or a real man. That's what that is. That's all that is. No. Well, it, we had so much fun. I mean, you're right. It'll never be the same. It will never everything be the has same. Been, everything's been cut up and dissected and and uh, minimalized and and um, analytics and you know scrutinize they scrutinize everything. Nobody's getting uh, more than a couple seasons. It seems like yes. on TV mm-hmm. anymore at all. No, you know? it's true. You know, one great thing and they don't. They want to own everything now. Yep, they do. They want to own all your images. They want to own everything you do. Yeah, it's all about money now. It's all about the moolah, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> money, money, money. <laughs> Money, money, okay, money, very, money, 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 money. Very quick story. Uh, this is about four years ago. Louis comes over to Catherine and my house for a New Year's Eve. And the nice thing back in those days is when we lived on the lake in Golden Valley, they used to shoot fireworks off over the lake on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. New Year's Eve, the fireworks go off, and Louis comes to me and he goes, Tom, could you do me a favor? Next year, will you cut that tree down? Because I couldn't see all, all the fireworks. <laughs> I wanted a tree cut down. Yes, absolutely. Louie, I'll cut it down. No problem. Why didn't you make your house taller? Why didn't you make your house taller? Why, what are you doing? Go. Why didn't you have an observation deck? Yeah, yeah. I should have had an observation Should've. deck for the, for the fireworks. Is that that New Year's? 
that the governor and everybody was there. Yes, everybody was there that night. It was unbelievable. Um, Tommy P and uh, his wife and uh, yeah. No, absolutely. Everybody was there. Norm Coleman was there. Tim Pawlenty and his lovely wife were there. Everybody was there that night. No question about it. Glenn Mason yeah. from the Gopher football. They they were all there that night. It was God, what a what a fun time. It was the greatest. So now, when are you coming to town? Well, I'm thinking of coming in. I want to see my sister, and I want to see some other family members, and come and see you guys. And so I'm just trying to figure it out. Probably in the middle of June or at the end of June, maybe do a show. Um, you know, I'm just trying to figure it all out, just planning-wise. So. Well, let me know in front, because i got to make a reservation at Bar La Grasa when you're in town. Mmm, I love that place. It is good. Can I get some extra everything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you then, know, um, how's, you know, like, um, I was going to say, it's really crazy. I've, I've worked this weekend. I got a part on a show. Oh. That, um, that just I auditioned for it. It's a fabulous show. And I did two uh, episodes. I did one Friday and one Monday, and it was so much fun, and they were so great for me. It's a show on BET, and it's called 20s, all written out, T-W-E-N-T-I-E-S. Okay. And um, it's a really great show, and the girl, uh, JoJo T. Gibbs, is a comic who's so talented, and we had a, so, a, a really fun time. And the whole crew and the cast were wonderful. We were shooting it in Sino and and uh, out in uh, in uh, Van Nuys, and so I got to see all the California haunts. And uh, just it was just weird. I flew in. I hadn't flown, and um, you know, did that whole rigmarole and. It was really exhausting because you don't realize that you haven't done anything, you know. You don't realize it takes a little out of you. I haven't done anything. Well, I suppose that is true. Louie, I'm going to make you tear up again probably, but that's a tough hop the way it goes. So <laughs> people don't know this. Some people do, but a lot of people don't know that my mother and Louie were very, very good friends. My mother adored Louie Anderson. And after she died in 2008, we went back and kind of put all her stuff together. And my mother had about 50 statues of angels because she was an ardent Roman Catholic. Oh, my God. She had angels everywhere. So there's like 50 angel statues. And right in the middle is a Louis Anderson statue. So it was Louis and all it the an angels. It's an altar to Louis. It's the rapture. <laughs> it was on. She adored you. I, honest to God, I will never forget oh, that. Oh, Louis, we forgot to tell you. Um, there was a little clause in Toots's will that we didn't know about. She asked, yeah. she asked for some more tickets, free tickets for your shows. <laughs> <laughs> oh. You know that story, I'd love one it? of those angels if they're around. Oh, God, wow. Those probably. Hey, um, probably. I'll tell you why this uh, is emotional. Oh. Today is my mom's birthday. Oh. oh. It was Fawn's birthday yesterday. That's Fawn's right. Fawn's birthday yesterday, yeah. your mom's birthday today. So very it's emotional. great, you know? Yeah. It's like a, we're saying hi to our mom. 
Yep. Yeah, and, we are uh, indeed. My mom's trying to get my statue back from your mom. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're arguing about it right now. Very quickly for the audience, because I know Louis has got to get going here, but very quickly, my mother uh, talking to Louis, and Louis goes, uh, Toots, I'm coming to town. I, uh, I'm going to appear at Northrop Auditorium. So I was wondering if you need some tickets. My mother goes, Oh, yeah, absolutely. It'd be terrific. He says, well, call me like tomorrow or the next day and tell me how many tickets you need and we'll get you all set up. And I'll hand it over to Louie for the punchline. If you remember, do you remember the amount of tickets? I thought it was like 19. Yeah. It was tw- I thought it was 22. Her <laughs> close uh, yeah. personal friends. Yeah. How many yeah. tickets do you need, Tuts? You know, you take a pause and then you go, sure. <laughs> There go my profits for the whole week, but okay. (laughs) My mother would walk around at a Louis Anderson show like, yeah, he's a good buddy of mine. I'm a big shot. Oh, God, that made her feel so good. She liked to name drop. (laughs) She did indeed. She loved it. Well, it was really fun. It was uh, great knowing her and great having that mom connection because I got to play my mom eventually, and I'm waiting for Tom for me to do another show. But you play your mom. Yes, that would be all we touch would be That would be Jeez. really. We're sitting on a bus stop complaining about everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. Although if I played my mother, I'd have to deepen my voice. I'd yeah, have to talk like down here. I've got to get my voice deeper if I'm going to play my mother. Yeah, she did have a good voice. Louie, you got to come to town. We'd love to see you. we got to take you out to dinner, Pally. I love it. And, uh, you know, I have a special... A virtual special on Russ Pick. Oh, uh, excellent. June 12th. June 12th. If you guys would uh, mention that, I'd be appreciative of it. Okay, I'll I want new material. We should get you on and the morning show and the show, too. Guest. I'm going to have a special guest from Baskets on the special. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. That's very, very yeah. nice. Is it the Coyote? <laughs> it is the Coyote. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We gotta get rid of the coyote. <laughs> get rid of the coyote, ladies and gentlemen. Louis, I will tell you. I love for, you guys. Love you too, and love I'll tell you. you why I love you so much, Louis, because you were great to my mother. My mother adored you, and uh, you know, you're just the fact that you start crying makes you one of my favorite men in the world because you you really feel it. That's why we adore you. We love you because you're a very sensitive guy, and you're, you're just and you're quite funny too. I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm going to keep trying to be funny because really that's what it's about. All right, Louie, we'll see you soon. You know, we've got enough trouble in the world. We need yes. to mm-hmm. Yes. You are correct. Get to town soon, pal. All right, love you guys. Love Thanks you for too, having me on. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. What a setup that was today, ladies and gentlemen. Don Shelby followed by uh, Jeff Cesario followed by... JB, followed by Louis Anderson, followed by God, all the great Paul Mercurio. No, I didn't forget about Paul. Believe me, I saved him for last because. Bada bing, bada boom. Exactly. <laughs> nice Italian boy came on. It was unbelievable. No, you know, you do forget about 
you know, how successful your friends are. You don't even think about that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, your children are quiet. Did you tie them to something? <laughs> yeah, we better go check on your kids. we yeah. got to wrap it up anyway. I walked out there and Sage had no pants on. Oh. Mm-hmm. So like usual. <laughs> so usual. Well, once, he takes his pants new. off. <laughs> Doug, thank you for being on all these shows all these years too, man. But I mean, all the years the show's been on, you've been here. Well, pretty much. I think yeah, I started much. not right away, but probably half halfway into the first year. It's... Uh, I remember going to, I don't remember who the marketing director was, and I said, I've got this crazy idea. This might be a good way to tap into the KQ faithful. Tom started a podcast, and she, it was Sue Lynn. Oh, yeah. And she right. listened to it, and she goes, I'm totally hooked on that. I listened to 10 episodes last night. We have to do that. She's been long gone, but yeah. so we're still here, so it's no, great. It's just, it is terrific. It is no question about it. So thank you to everybody who called, and thank you for coming yeah. in today. And the whole family was here, Two which is really nice. episodes. Mm-hmm. Holy, yeah, how did we... What? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of episodes. It's so many episodes. It's a lot of episodes. It is. At least yeah. you're not on buses anymore. Yeah, I used to be on the bus. <laughs> oh, should I close with that story? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. The old pickle parrot. In the old days, I'm down down at the cookhouse. I'm cutting oh, commercials. God, the There's a woman in town, uh, and she wanted to go to lunch and grab. She's producing a bunch of commercials. I think it was for McDonald's, actually, if I remember right. Doing some McDonald's voiceover. And she said, well, let's go grab some lunch because we've got, like, you know, five commercials to do today. So let's go, let's go have some lunch. So well, let's go to the Pickle Parrot there. Really good food. So she's sitting with her back to the window. I'm sitting facing the window. And she said, so your, your morning show, I heard it does really well. I said, yeah, it it's, does really, really well. And thank God people like it and all the rest of it. She goes, yeah, and somebody told me, like, you advertise on the side of buses? And I said, yeah. Matter of fact, there's a bus stop right behind you. And if, when a bus comes by with the ad on it, I'll point it out and let you know. And you can see it. She goes, okay. So what it actually said was, Tom Bernard and the KQ Morning Show. Mornings from... It was six to nine then. Now it's seven hours long. But <laughs> as the bus is pulling up to the stop, I can see just the very end of my name. It just says, you know, A-R-D. So, oh, there's one. And I'm just about to tell her to turn around and look at the bus side when the whole bus pulls up at the stop and it says, Tom Bernard and the KQ Morning Show. And there's an arrow pointing to my name and then the word, Moron. (laughs) So I didn't point that one out to where I I waited for a later one. Uh, There's no such thing as bad publicity. Well, unless you're Harvey Weinstein. Well, that's true. It's a very good point. But uh, thank you very much all for listening. Thanks for coming in. And we will talk to you next week with the family.